Hello, and welcome to Imperfect Men, yet another Rexypod writing all the founding fathers of the U.S. of A. from Andrew Adams to George With. I'm Cody. I'm Stephen. And today, episode 20, Pierce Butler. This is kind of a, um, what is it, a benchmark? Episode 20. Yeah, 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 I mean, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we've also reached 2,500 downloads, so... All time. There you so, go. Woo! Yay! <laughs> yeah, keep listening and stuff. Yeah, which you know, I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's not. The, I mean, for what we're doing, I guess it's pretty good, huh? Yeah, listen, to our garbage. <laughs> so let's get right into it. Pierce Butler, the last of the bees. The last of the bees. Last of the bees. All right. And the C's next time, but this time, Pierce Butler, born on July eleventh, seventeen forty-four, in Tinryland. Ireland. He was born in Ireland, He's eh? born in Ireland. Nice. Top of the morning to you. <laughs> uh, he He's... was the third son of Sir Richard Butler and his wife Henrietta. Dang, sir. So, wow. Okay. His family was part of the Protestant ascendancy, the small ruling class of English Protestants who ruled over the majority Catholic island. Whoops. So, Whoopsies. So, so don't think Irish-Irish. No. No. He's an England an Englander that was born in Ireland. Yes. Whoops. Yep. Because of the occupation. Yeah. Uh, he was commissioned into the British Army in 1755, which if you're doing the math, yes, he was commissioned as an 11-year-old, <laughs> which this was the practice at the time, like the, the aristocracy and the nobility, they would purchase their commissions in the army. Okay, that's weird. Well, it's just like, you know, well, I was captain of this regiment, blah, blah, blah. and also the perception that only the nobility could really be the ones in charge. Uh, yeah, so uh, his God, father buys a commission in the army. My, yeah, my eyes almost rolled out of my head on that yeah. one. Uh, and he quote unquote fought in the French and Indian War. He was wounded at the Battle of Louisbourg in 1758. Again, 14 years old. Uh, he was stationed in South Carolina after the war and began to immerse himself in the upper echelons of colonial society. Mm. Well, also, yeah, I think, too, like, so he fought in the French and Indian War when he was 14. Mm-hmm. He was wounded. But, you know, people die when they're, like, 40 at the back then or, like, 50. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of old, actually. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like dog ears. Yeah, it's also like you're you're considered more of an adult. Yeah, so it's weird. Um, but uh, yeah, faster. he uh, moved to Boston in 1769 and was a witness to the Boston Massacre in 1770, which was perpetrated by other members of his regiment. Oh, what? He didn't partake in it himself, but he saw it happen. It was other people in his regiment. That's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. He returned to South Carolina in 1771 and married a wealthy heiress, Mary Middleton. We will be talking about four members of her family at some point. Her father, Henry Middleton, uh, was one of the largest slave traders in the colonies. Oh, great. Wonderful. And signed the Continental Association in 1774. Um, Her brother, Arthur, we'll talk about. He'll get an episode. And her brothers-in-law... Uh, Edward Rutledge and Charles Coastworth Pinckney. They'll all get episodes. Wow. So huh. this really shows you, like, in South Carolina, the top tier of society was, like, just a close-knit family. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, so. that's how it goes. 
1773, he sold his commission in the British Army. He was a major at that point. He sold his commission to another person who just had the money to be a major. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That was, a, that was a different time. Different time. Yep. Uh, he parlayed his military success and his new access to capital into becoming a successful merchant. Uh, he sided with the colonies in the Revolution and was elected to the South Carolina legislature in 1776. Uh, he was appointed as the state's adjutant general in 1778. Basically, he's the general in charge of admin. Okay, like, hey, you here? He's not like a battlefield uh, general. He's a uh, desk jockey. Oh, okay. Yes. I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. Well, I was thinking admin. I don't know why I thought, yeah. like, attendance. I, I no. got the two mixed up, I guess. No. Uh, but uh, after the British captured Charleston in 1780, he contribu- He continued to contribute supplies and cash to the ongoing efforts in South Carolina. All right. After the war, with much of his fortune in ruins, he traveled to Europe to solicit loans and rebuild his trade networks. And he returned to South Carolina in 1785 on much more stable financial footing. Uh, he was selected as a delegate to the Constitutional Convention, which is why we're talking about him, and he signed it. Uh, he was elected as one of South Carolina's first two U.S. Senators in 1789, serving until 1796 and again in 1802-04. Uh, his wife, Mary, died in 1790, and he sold off a lot of their property in mainland South Carolina and said setting up plantations on islands off the South Carolina and Georgia coasts while he lived in Philadelphia. Okay. <laughs> so he's like an absentee landlord. Uh, okay. Of these, right. plant, of these massive plantations. Plantation, right. Yeah. I know, what you're, I know where you're going with that. After his Senate term ended, uh, he remained in Philadelphia uh, engaged in various business ventures, becoming one of the wealthiest people in the country. Oh, wow. Uh, and he died on February 15th, 1822, in Philadelphia, after a long illness, aged 77. He lived a long time. Yes. 77, wow, he might be one of the older ones. Yeah, well, he wasn't necessarily that old when he would, I mean, his, his early 40s, or 43, when he did his stuff with the Constitution, so uh, he lasted quite a while afterwards. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, he lasted a long time. Yeah, that's uh, just a short biography of him. Now to get into our areas where we rate them. Our matrices. 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 <laughs> oh, this is the juice, if you will, of the episode. Sure. Yes. Now, some of this juice might be a little rotten and expired. So. Oh, gross juice. Perpetual Union. How influential were they on the founding documents? Now, I know in the last few we've been kind of bare bones didn't do much this guy contributed quite a bit Ooh. and now going into this i do have to say this do not judge them based on morality yeah you yeah. said that a few times yeah usually is a warning <laughs> <laughs> um he proposed a rule of secrecy for the deliberations at the convention with quote Nothing spoken in the house to be printed or otherwise published or communicated without leave, end quote. Uh, and this rule would be adopted. So basically, uh, the reason for this was that they didn't want people outside to find out, like, oh, what are they talking about? Oh, and like some of these other people, like, oh, let me influence that. Let me try to push them in this direction. I figured they it had want their to deliberation do. to be secret. I had a I had a feeling it had something to do with that, or like even spies. Yeah, you know, people like exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. Which also kind of maybe contributed to it in a different way. Because remember, they're in Philadelphia. 
in the summer. They can't open the doors or windows while they're deliberating. Woo, it would be hot in there. Yeah, I, I could just imagine the smell. Just the funk of all these old men in this room, just oh. the hot air, just like, oh, and Frank, you know, Frank, you've been Franklin. He stunk up the place. Uh, well, and they were in layers, too. Yeah, so it's the, like. They were they were not. Oh, man, this, just, the, the funk, just, mm. oh. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah. they may have had a ways to deal with it back then, but who knows. Yeah, but, it, ugh. Uh, he opposed the proposed congressional veto over state legislation, which we talked about. That's a recent episode, I know. Uh, fearing that non-slave states would be able to intervene in the internal affairs of slave states. As in, you can't have slavery anymore. Whoopsies. Yeah. Uh, he also proposed that the president be able to declare war unilaterally without Congress. Uh, <laughs> this was defeated. And he was strongly against the presidential veto initially, uh, but was satisfied when a two-thirds congressional override was adopted. And one of the bigger debates in Congress was whether Congress would be able to tax exports. Mm-hmm. So things, so goods shipped out of the country. Because mm-hmm. we, 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 we have import taxes, mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of as a way to protect local industry. But export taxes were kind of controversial because it may prevent... Uh, sale of good overseas mm-hmm. type of thing, but it's also another revenue stream for the government. It was a kind of a heated debate for a little while. I'm sure. And he was one who strenuously uh, opposed it, saying, quote, he was opposed to a power over exports as unjust and alarming to the slave states. Oh, quote. my Lord. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, export taxes would be banned under Article 1, Section 9, Clause 5. So he helps get, get put that in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he proposed that state representation should be proportionate, like as in representation in the Congress, should be proportionate to a state's property value, <laughs> and that a wealth requirement be implemented to both serve in Congress and to vote. Okay. Uh, he was one of many delegates, including James Madison, who felt that letting the common people vote would be a disaster. Oh, my God. Uh, Butler, quote, thought election by the people an impractical mode, end quote. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Yeah, oh, this... don't let those rabble. Don't let the rabble. They'll, they'll, they'll just, they'll vote whatever. Yeah, us rich people, we could, I, I try We're to figure, I, I try to figure out in my head what sort of accent this man would have. Because he comes from an English family who lives in Ireland, and then he lives in the South. <laughs> what kind of accent is this guy gonna have? I think he had an English accent, because his, since his parents... Were yeah. English, he probably he probably picked it up from them. So uh, yeah, that makes that's sense. Usually, how but the servants may have been Irish. That's true. You know, he had you more likely had servants. That's true. So it's just like still though. I, yeah, I English. I think English. it's probably just just a hot mess of an it accent. It might be like, weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's ugh. It'd be all over the place. <laughs> He's probably horrible to listen to. <laughs> uh, he was adamantly opposed to allowing recent immigrants to serve in Congress, stating that if he himself could have served shortly after arriving, his, quote, foreign habits and attachments would have rendered him an improper agent in public affairs, end quote. Wow, so he was like, hey, I'm an immigrant, and I'm saying immigrants shouldn't be doing this stuff. At least not for a while. Because I was an idiot. At least not for a while. Yeah. Because there is like a, and there is in the Constitution a residency requirement. I don't remember what it is for the Senate and the House exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know for the president, you have to live in the U.S. for like four to, for the past fourteen years. Uh, makes I guess that does make sense. I mean, so you, yeah, kind of have an understanding of how things work. Uh, yeah, and also it's like you don't want 
again, spies coming in All right. and like moving in like six months later to get elected to Congress. Right. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now we come into really the main gist of his contribution, if you will. Mm-hmm. Along with other slave-owning delegates, he pushed for a provision that counted enslaved people fully in the census in the same way as white people. This would disproportionately favor the southern states as all the real power would remain with the white planter class. Because they're, sla- they're enslaved people, they're obviously not going to have a right to vote. Right. So, but you're still counting them. Right. He said, quote, The labor of a slave in South Carolina was as productive and valuable as that of a freeman in Massachusetts, and wealth was the great means of defense and utility in the nation, end quote. Butler and others' vehement support of such a measure pulled more moderate delegates in their direction and led to the infamous three-fifths compromise, mm. where enslaved people would be counted as three-fifths of a person in the census. Boy. Which is reprehensible on many in many ways because, one, it's saying that this enslaved person only counts three-fifths th- three as much of a person as a, a free white man. Mm-hmm. The second aspect of it is that because the census, the the census numbers are what determines how many members of the House of Representatives a state get, a state gets. Mm-hmm. It also determines how many electoral votes a state gets. Mm-hmm. Yep. So having those extra, um, those extra numbers, mm-hmm. even though those people, those extra people who are being counted, don't have any say in the political process. That gives more power to like this white planner class. Right. And Makes there's sense. been, and the Northern argument was that they shouldn't be counted because, of course. even by like the slave owner's argument that they were property, well, okay, are we going to count our horses, <laughs> our chickens, right. our yeah. et cetera, et cetera? Sure, sure. I mean, I know that comparison is not great, but. No, no, you know, it is. A, I mean, it is a good comparison to what they're talking about. What yes. they're talking about is. You're saying that these people are property, just yeah. like our horses, our chickens, our pigs. So it makes sense. It's, it's for for that, you know. It's, it's, a good it's, just a, it's just a gross topic all around. <laughs> it is. It is. But I mean that. I mean, yeah. It's a. It's context, you know. And so, so, if you, you know, him and others pushing, pushing, pushing for this, all these moderates are like, all right, fine, we'll meet you halfway, right, or three fifths of the way, rather, <laughs> um, and. There's been some analyses done where they tried to project, like, if enslaved people didn't count at all, um, how that would affect, like, congressional presidential elections. Like, it would certainly reduce the number of representatives early on. Mm -hmm. And they looked at two presidential elections in particular, 1800 and 1824. 1800, uh, Thomas Jefferson defeats John Adams by, I think, like eight electoral votes. If the three-fifths compromise had not been a thing, if enslaved people did not count in the census, it's very possible John Adams would have actually won that election. Dang. And in 1824, where it's like basically a four-way horse race, like nobody gets a majority, so it goes to the House of Representatives. It would have changed to the point where... Because, like, well, well, in those situations, 
the House of Representatives set, looks at the top three candidates. It would have changed it in a sense because in that election, Henry Clay came in fourth. Mm-hmm. If the electoral vote changes without those enslaved people in the census, Henry Clay would have come in third, and he would have been able to be considered for president that year. Henry Clay also at that time happened to be the Speaker of the House. Okay. As in the guy in charge of the body counting who gets to decide the president. Uh-huh. Tricky. Yes. So how does that change? You know, does John Quincy Adams still become president? Does Andrew Jackson become president four years earlier? Does Henry Clay become president? Ooh. So it's like this has a shift. Like it has an impact. And it also presents that like the South also has a larger political say for you know all the way up to the Civil War when this you know provision of the Constitution becomes moot. So are they able to fight back as much, especially early early on? It's like you know. So that has an impact for many many years down the road. Uh, Butler also opposed any limit on the slave trade from Africa. Uh, again. The opposition of him and other candidate or other delegates from the Deep South led Congress or led the convention to, instead of banning the slave trade immediately, put in a provision that it will be banned after 1808. So, like 20 years later. Wow. Okay. So, like, how many more sl- people are forcibly oh, imported yeah. from Africa against their will to be enslaved in the South in those 20 years? Thousands. Uh, yeah, thousands. thousands. So. And, of course, who's going to profit from that? Slave traders like Butler. Yeah. yeah. Dang. But his most lasting contribution was the Fugitive Slave Clause. Uh, the convention had proposed an extradition provision for states to extradite criminals to other states. Uh, so, like, had nothing to do with slaves at that point. Just, like, you know, if, you know... Joe Smith commits a crime in you know, Pennsylvania and he flees to Massachusetts. Well, Pennsylvania can request his extradition from Massachusetts and Massachusetts can turn him over. Yep. You know, just Which hey, well, it happens today all the time because yep. mm-hmm. it gets in the Constitution. Butler proposed expanding that to, quote, require fugitive slaves and servants to be delivered up like criminals, end quote. After some opposition... Butler withdrew the proposal, but submitted a modified version the next day that read, quote, If any person bound to service or labor in any of the United States shall escape into another state, he or she shall not be discharged from such service or labor in consequence of any regulations subsisting in the state to which they escape, but shall be delivered up to the person justly claiming their service or labor, end quote. Okay. The convention unanimously approved of Butler's proposal and with slight edits was incorporated as Article 4, Section 2, Clause 3. Wow. Dark time. The clause was enforced initially by the Fugitive Slave Act of 1793, which Butler, as a senator, would have voted for, and later by the stricter Fugitive Slave Act of 1750. The effect of these acts were to prevent enslaved people from being free merely by being in a free state. They had to escape the country entirely. Wow. So if cool. so, so if a enslaved person in Tennessee escapes to Ohio, that's not good enough. 
you are still legally an enslaved person. Hmm. Even though Ohio does not have, it has outlawed slavery. Sure. You have to go to Canada. Wow. It's crazy. Yes. Uh, it was made illegal to assist a runaway slave, and a person could be fined or jailed for doing so. Uh, this provision made assisting a runaway openly dangerous, and so the Underground Railroad is developed mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. counteract this. Right. Uh, but thousands never made it. They were captured and taken back into bondage, likely to suffer horribly for even thinking of escape. Mm-hmm. So it's like how many thousands of lives are utterly destroyed because this man wanted this clause in the Constitution. Yeah, it's pretty. That's that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's probably one of the worst things so far. Honestly, that might be the worst thing so far. He said, "Quote: The security the Southern states want is that their Negroes may not be taken from them." End quote. This was his main objective here was to protect in in the convention was to protect slavery. Obviously, he was very very adamant about this. Yes. It's probably one of his biggest incomes. Is why. Oh, absolutely. If not his biggest income. So, yeah. of course he's trying to protect his money. Yeah. <sighs> so yeah, that's uh that's perpetual union. Wow, that was a <laughs> that was uh that was heavy. Yeah. So like, you know, what what do you want to give them? Okay, we gotta rate this reprehensible toad of a human being. He, that, see, so they, the, all the things he did was bad. Yeah, they were. But, How do I rate this? But they had an impact, which is what this category is. It's not good or bad. It's how influ- like how important was he to the crafting of the document? Oh. I guess pretty dang important. Yeah, in a because like way. because the three fifths compromise, the delay in the in banning the slave trade, the fugitive slave clause, like those all have massive impacts over the next, you know, the next eighty years, all the way up to the Civil War, like long after this guy is dead. Dang. Yeah, it's 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 tough because you want to be like, well, I want to give him a zero because he's a slime ball but it's like you can't get a zero eight that's exactly what i was thinking is an eight yeah because it's such a big thing that he did that is a i mean it's like a terrible the the biggest thing you can do that's that terrible yeah and like you putting in clauses into that thing that like made it made it so much harder for enslaved people to not be enslaved anymore yes like yeah. it's like ah, that's terrible. But yeah, also, he is, he is probably one of the most reprehensible people we're going to be talking about. Yeah, I don't even. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you feel icky. But <laughs> I agree. No, it's got to be an eight. Is yeah, because yeah, I I was I was thinking like, okay, well I don't want to give him a ten because not like he wrote the whole thing. <laughs> so a nine just felt like too much. Because mm-hmm. like okay, well. He didn't have a, his focus was one thing, slavery, and protecting slavery. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like he did like a whole bunch of other things like, uh, like Madison or somebody like Hamilton had like contributed like to just about everything. 
but seven felt like I feel like seven is almost like disrespectful to the, all the people who suffered because of this. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, so an eight I feel is appropriate. So yeah, eight, eight and eight. That is a very heavy, reluctant 16 <laughs> for perpetual union. Again, though, remember the points don't matter. Yep. When it comes to the end. We the people, how influential were they outside the founding documents? Uh, well, as I mentioned, he participated in the French and Indian War and took part in campaigns that resulted in the French losing Canada, which I guess is more influential to Canada than it is the United States. I don't know if like we can consider we the people as like, you know, no, it's got to be America. Yeah, it's yeah, gotta be only influenced America. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, well, he was elected to the South Carolina legislature in 1776 and remained there until 1789. Uh, he was appointed as South Carolina's adjutant general in 1778 and placed in charge of the state's defense. His preparations f- uh, failed, and Charleston fell to the British in 1780. Uh, he managed to escape and organized partisan forces to oppose the British. So he got like, a bunch of local militia together, like, hey, let's still try to try to screw them a little bit. Okay. He contributed his personal wealth to the effort, yeah. and he was at great risk, as the British would have executed him if he were captured, because remember, he was a former British officer, just until a few years ago. Dang. He still would have been subject to, like, military law. Dang. Uh, he narrowly avoided capture on several occasions. Uh, in one instance, he was forced to flee from his hideout wearing only his nightshirt. Dang. And the British even placed a bounty on his head. So they they wanted him. They wanted him bad. I'm kind of thinking I wish they would have got him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because then, you know. Oh, man. Oh, man. I should have looked into this more. That would have been a good We Have Up episode. If, like, a British soldier, like, went one way instead of the other way to, and missed capturing him. Oh, yep. that would have been. Oh, uh, well. Too late. Too late for that. <laughs> yeah. Only. Uh, but after the war, he uh, advocated for reconciliation with loyalists. It's like those people who supported the British right. during the Revolution. Yeah. Uh, and he was one of South Carolina's first two U.S. senators. He was initially aligned with the Federalists. So like Hamilton, Adams, uh, you know, th- th- those people. Uh, but he switched to Jefferson's Republicans and was discussed as a possible vice presidential pick in 1796. Dang. So he was, his name was being thrown about out there for VP. Uh, he resigned from the Senate that year, but returned in 1802. But he broke with uh, Jefferson, uh, believing that he was not going far enough to protect states' rights. Slavery. That old chestnut. <laughs> yeah. When comparing Jefferson's administration with that of John Adams, Butler said that it was, quote, pork still with only a change of sauce, end quote. <laughs> what? what? That's an interesting comparison. Food comparison. Yeah. It's still pork, but it's not as good sauce, so that's yep. <laughs> okay. He focused on business interests after leaving the Senate in 1804, but he did serve briefly as a director on the board of the Second Bank of the United States in the late 1810s. Dang, he did a lot of stuff. He did. did a lot uh, of and stuff. that's what I got for We the Piapple. So what is this category? I gotta, now I need to know very specifically what the category is. We the People is their contributions outside the founding documents. Good or bad? 
Good or bad. Uh, okay. I'm giving him a seven. Seven? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I've had to like kind of talk this out with myself because it's like, okay, he, you know, his actions against the British in South Carolina, it's like after Charleston gets captured, you know, that's pretty good. I was I kept thinking like Mel Gibson and the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's because that every, takes place in South Carolina. I every time I think of anything that's Revolutionary War, <laughs> I think of Mel Gibson. The yeah, Patriot. I know that movie has its problems, but yeah, that's just kind of like what I was thinking of. Just like yeah, uh, what, what they call it, the ghost. Oh uh, yeah, and it was like the I, Gray I think, Ghost or something like yeah, that. Something like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, so one of the first senators mm-hmm. votes. Like I mentioned, for the Fugitive Slave Act. <laughs> well, yeah. And again, uh, that, that's bad, but it's yeah, still but contributes. All, yeah. And, and also, you know, all the various bills that set up the government, essentially. You know, those are important. I'm going to go five. Five? It's like middle of the road. Yeah, I don't, it, I don't it's know. It's mostly the military stuff. That's what I was thinking. Like, I think the military stuff, I think because he, he still was putting himself out there, even though he had a bounty on his head by the, like, he... There was multiple times he could have been captured and killed, but he kept doing it. Yeah. Um, and he put he kicked in his own money. And he kicked in like a, a lot, so much of, of his own money that he had to go back to Europe overseas. to get loans and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. So like he gave almost all of his wealth to yeah. the cause. So, yeah, if he didn't have all the slavery stuff, he'd be a cool guy. <laughs> yeah, but, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a up to a six. Yeah. I'll go six. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just. Well, yeah, yeah, the money that came from slavery. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I guess he put it into a good cause. Uh, that's I, what I, I mean. It's, like, it's, yeah. it's so like, yeah. Uh, what can you say here? Yeah. So, seven and six as a thirteen for we the people. Mm. Oh, now <laughs> articles of impeachment. <laughs> How scandalous were they? Oh, uh, Bowie, one of the largest enslavers in the country. Yeah. At the time of his death, he was the enslaver of over 1,000 people Jeez. spread across six plantations in South Carolina and Georgia. God. He sheltered Aaron Burr <laughs> at his St. Simon's Plantation in 1804 after Burr fled south to escape charges for murdering Alexander Hamilton in a duel. Wow. So this is where he this is where Burr goes after he kills Hamilton. Goes the goes the old Pierce after you He's know. Like, hey Pierce, I need to after come he down. sings about it. <laughs> after he sings about it. I don't, I've never seen a play. I don't know if Burr has a singing role, but um, <sighs> yeah. He's like, hey Pierce, I need, I, dude, I did something real bad. <laughs> I, need, I need to, I need, I need to hide out. out. Yeah, plays for and me. He's like, you know what? Yeah, come on down. Yeah. <laughs> you killed that Hamilton guy. I didn't like him anyway. Yeah, well, like mostly it was like f you to Jefferson because he was uh Pierce was Pierce Butler was on the outs with Jefferson at that point, uh. <laughs> and Jefferson wanted Burr like because this whole election of eighteen hundred, the whole thing, Burr and Jefferson tied in electoral votes and Burr wouldn't concede, <laughs> so Jefferson just like despised him even though he was his vice president, <laughs> uh. so Jefferson uh you know kind of wanted him and. You know, would eventually manage to get him charged with treason. Yep, there, that's what it is. I'm pulling on that. Let me just... Fuck it. <laughs> so, yeah, so that so that happened. Um, <laughs> he disinherited his only surviving son because he married a French woman. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so he, he, he left his uh, fortune to his two surviving daughters on the condition that their children 
change their last names to Butler. Oh my god, what the <laughs> heck? What it, This guy is like the egotistical Yeah. Like just a horrible person yeah. all around. Yeah, he is a awful human being. What is happening? And of course all the all the uh slave stuff in the constitution. I don't know sure. if you want to yeah. like double dip and give him I mean, I guess that I guess that's kind of scandalous too. I don't know if I'm going to give him points in that category and this category for that. No, I'm going to give him the points for being one of the largest slave owners. Yeah, I'd say that that's a... In slavery. I mean, he's definitely going to get the minimum of four for that. I feel like there needs I'm, to be additional giving, points no, for that. No, I'm giving him more than that yeah. for being one of the biggest. Yeah. He's getting more than that yeah. for me. So what so, do you want? Okay, so that was yeah, it. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I got. I'm giving him a nine. Give him a nine? Okay. Let's see. Yeah. Uh yeah, one there's of the just too slave much. holders. There's too much. Yeah, it's like there's owning some. There's owning slaves or enslaving people on a small scale, like maybe like a local farm. You have like five or six. Mm-hmm. Even like maybe a medium sized plantation, ah, fifty, sixty. Mm-hmm. Some of the larger ones, like I think Washington had like two hundred, two to three hundred. Mm-hmm. This guy had over a thousand. That's what I'm saying, man. That's it's way like worse. It's like magnitudes larger. And all the stuff. I mean, you can only imagine how he treated those people because of the, all oh, the yeah. stuff he tried to get pushed through. Yeah. Like, he didn't think they was these were people at all. No. Like, he was like, he these saw are them, he old, saw these them are as just, chattel. Exactly. These are just pieces of property that I use to enrich yes. myself. That's and it. unfortunately, they have the ability to escape. Yeah, and that's a no. They have they have legs, therefore they can escape. And just like cattle, if one of your cattle escapes, it should be better be returned to me. You yeah. know, like that's ridiculous. Yep. He's this. This is probably the worst per- dude we've talked about so far. I, <laughs> well, uh, remember we gave uh, William Blunt a full twenty. <laughs> so what? What was his? He was the guy who committed treason. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah. Nine, um, I'm like. I'm going to go an eight. Okay. I'm going to go an eight. Because it's just like, he's reprehensible. And also it's like, what if there's like someone who is more scandalous than him, but not as scandalous as Wint Blunt? So it's like. I'll give him a 9.5. There, there's, there you go. It, there's a. Uh, you know what? On that note, I'll give him an 8.5. Yeah, so. Because then that way he'll get still get like a. I think what pushed it to a nine for me was the marrying the French woman thing. Like, just because that's ridiculous. That is just ridiculous. Like, and the the whole oh, you got to change your kids' last name to Butler. Yeah, it too. is like, such a what? Like what? That's like so petty. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It it is just like. Uh, I mean, I guess this goes back to how he was raised in Ireland as part of this ruling English class. Probably taught to look down on everybody who was inferior, who was of less means than him. Oh, yeah. 100%. And just... Yeah, the first people he... I mean, because in Ireland, I'm sure there were indentured servants, so they weren't... Yeah. They were basically slaves in Ireland, too. So, like, he would probably just... Anybody that he saw that was like, you work for me, but I mean, I'm not paying you to work for me. Yeah. You're, you're nothing. Yeah. You're just property. You are not human <laughs> yeah he probably thought the same thing about the irish yep uh and i didn't want to include this in that because it's not him specifically but it's just something to note one of his i think it's like great grandson also named pierce butler confusingly i think it was like eight sometime in the 1850s 
held what was called the Great Slave Auction. It was the largest single auction of slaves in the history of the country. Something like 450 slaves were sold at this auction. Jesus. Yeah, it was just like... Can't get any worse? Yeah, well... I don't know if it can get any worse. I'm getting, I'm sticking with my nine. Yeah. But. So, well, 9.5? No, I'm getting just yep. a nine. That's no, just nine? Okay. Yeah. Uh, if somebody's nine. worse than him, but not as bad as yeah. Pierce, then I'll give a 9.5. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, I'm sorry, not Pierce. So, um, nine, plus, yeah. Sorry. A nine and an 8.5. That's a 17.5 for articles of impeachment. Now. Ooh. Let's see it. The whites of their eyes. Yeah, my fave. Come on. Let's what see What do it. they look like? He had to have had a portrait of this asshole. That's the best I could find. Oh, really? Okay, he looks like a pursy little a-hole. <laughs> he does. Look at his face. Look at his little yeah. smug face. It almost looks like his wig has bangs. It does have bangs. It's yeah, it bangs. weird. Yeah, he's got the little curls. That yeah. might be his real hair. I mean, that that's also it's just a possibility. But look yeah, how, look I, how smug he looks. Oh, yeah. He, he's, he has definitely what you call a punchable face. Oh, yeah. I want to punch that dude all day long. Yeah. Yeah, it's very thin, but he's thin, too. He's got, like, a thin face. Yeah. Kind it's of black long... and white. It's like a carving or something or, like, a... Like a sketch. Sketch, yeah. So, what do you give him? Uh, it's not the best. I'll, I'll give it a two. Two. Yeah, I, I didn't care for it either. I'll, give, I'll match it with a two. So, the two and a two. There's a four for the whites of their eyes. Bonus round. How many of the founding documents did they sign? Just the one, just the Constitution. So, so that gives him a final score of fifty-one point five. Jeez, <laughs> is he is our highest scorer so far? Wow, really? Dang! But all for bad reasons. <laughs> for all for bad reasons. But the score doesn't matter. In this, in the, at the end of here, because we have to ask the question: Is Pierce Butler a founding father mm-hmm. or a floundering <laughs> father? <laughs> it's pretty easy for me, floundering. Too much, too much evil in that man to be a founding father for me. See, that's the thing, though. It's not. It, it is for a, me. <laughs> a morality judgment for this. It is. Well, I mean, what did he do by that? by that by that judgment? What did he do that helped it, the country? What, what, just hear me out. By that judgment is, would Thomas Jefferson be a founding father? Uh, well, this I mean, is the, I mean, a man who he did by by any definition today committed statutory rape and enslaved his own children. I mean, yeah, that's pretty bad, but also. There has to be an outweighing of good to bad when it comes to this. See, for me, it's like impact. It was all bad impact, though. Like, how but, do you, how do you, can you call me, somebody it, a founding father of a country when all of the all the only thing they've ever done was bad? Because everything that he did was only bad, except for some of the military stuff. Well, I mean, it, and that wasn't good enough to be like, oh, he's a founding. He he's. I want to talk about because well, even guy and be a, even the most proud evil, of flawed guy. people have a large impact because it's like you know uh, it, it, it. See, for me, it's not about it's not about an impact when it comes to how 
worse they made the country. That's why mm. that's floundering. They have to have a positive impact. Me. Positive impact. Okay. More positive than negative. See, for me, it's like, like how, like how much, like how important were they to what comes later? Okay. Because that measure, because by that measurement, it's like the things he contributed to the Constitution, just utterly, like it completely shaped the next, you know, eighty years of American history. But in a you, you can way. trace the things that he put in the Constitution all the way directly to the Civil War. Yeah, in a bad, horrible way. But it still had an impact. Like that. Like that. <laughs> I, like I, that I, is my argument. Plus, I, I understand plus also, that. Would you talk about him? I feel like you would have to in the in the. Well, I'm shaking the whole table. <laughs> I feel like you would have to it, when you discuss, you know, the roots of slavery in this country, at least in terms of you know the United States. I agree with that. In the in the roots of the Constitution, like the the one thing, the one thing, and I mean the one thing that Mitch McConnell has ever said that I agreed with. The original sin of this country is slavery. Mm-hmm. It has been with us since the beginning. We are still feeling it today, and it's the the effects of it are going to be with us for a long time, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the convention, the Constitutional Convention, was one of those points where it's like, even if it wasn't outright destroyed at that point, mm-hmm. its impact could have been weakened irreparably there was this feeling in the north and a lot of why they acquiesced to a lot of the south's demands was that slavery would just fade away naturally mm-hmm. eventually yeah uh turns out to not be that way the only way to get rid of it is with blood yeah the blood of literally hundreds of thousands of people and i feel like Men like or people like this have to be in, in, like have to be regarded as founding fathers because this country is imperfect. Mm-hmm. These, I mean, literally called the show this. These were imperfect men. He contributed to that imperfection. Okay, I I, he, I see where you're coming with that. So it's uh, I feel like. I can't not ever say that Pierce Butler was. Uh, I can't say that Pierce Butler was a floundering father. See, I can because if you're talking about that in in that context, you know, and you talk about like if, if you put it like in our terms here. Um, I'm, I'm listening. I'm looking for the coin. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, he is a floundering father in the fact that he made the country worse for so long, like in such a catastrophic way. Um, And that doesn't mean you can't talk about him. Don't ever mention his name, but it doesn't, it means to me that he didn't, there was no positive contribution. There wasn't any positive contribution to uh, where we are now. Hmm. So, Well, then we're going to have to have our first ever coin flip. (laughs) This will decide on whether Pierce Butler is a founding father or a founding father. <laughs> um, I have to put that in there. It's copyrighted now. <laughs> Trademark. Uh, so, 
I'd say heads, because it has Washington, definitely a founding father on it. We'll say heads, founding father, tails, floundering father. Sounds good to me. All righty. Let's see. What is he? Tails. He is a floundering father. Ah. All right. Pierce Butler. I know you're rotting in hell. <laughs> you are a floundering father. He's definitely our uh, highest scoring not he's our highest scoring floundering father. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, so it's like I it's it's just yeah, it's one of those things where I'm just like this is something that should 100% be discussed. Hmm. But I will never say that this guy is what you know, where our country is today is because of this guy. You know, like, mm. he did nothing but terrible things that eventually got reversed. He sent reversed. it back. Yeah, he sent it way back. Yeah. See, like, to me, like, that's still an impact. I understand like, you. Like, I understand like, the I impact thing. Yeah. I understand the impact thing. Yeah. I just, I don't, I, I can't consider somebody that yeah. that blatantly evil <laughs> to be uh, somebody that I would call, be proud of. Yeah. I I get it. So, but yeah, that was definitely a more in-depth discussion than our previous few episodes. Yeah, say that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so next time, yeah, as I mentioned, where are the bees in the seas? Seas. We will be discussing Charles Carroll of Carrollton. Charles Carroll of Carrollton. Yeah, he's called of Carrollton to distinguish him from his father, Charles Carroll of Annapolis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because heaven forbid, any of these guys have different names. Also, why don't they just call him Junior? I think because there's <laughs> other Charles Carrolls. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so many. So it, there's yeah, so many, you got to start yeah. naming them from region. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Uh, yeah, he is a... Uh, what was he? He was a signer of the Declaration from Maryland. Maryland. So first... Yeah, that's the first person from Maryland we'll, uh, we'll be talking about. So, yeah. Charles Carroll Carrollton, next time. Woo. Please be sure to check out our other projects, including We Effed Up, a history podcast where we cover all the times in history where we effed up. And The Drunken Pawn, a YouTube channel where we play board games and drink craft beer. As well as Hard Ticket to Sedaris, a movie podcast covering the action films of the late Andy Sedaris. And for all of our projects, visit our Twitter at AOP Pod Network. I'm Steven. And I'm Cody. And this is Imperfect Imperfect Men. Men.